It's been a while since I've been obsessed with an episode, and man, am I obsessed with today's episode. Reason being is that I had the opportunity to interview Amani Roberts. Amani is a world-class DJ, actually a global DJ, and he's also a professor of entertainment money management at California State University. Plus, Amani has just published his first book, and it's called DJ's Mean Business, One Night Behind the Turntables Can Spin Your Company's Success. And of course, we talk about the book and all the different parallels between being a DJ, being a business owner. I find it extremely fascinating of all the parallels that Amani had pointed out to me in today's episode. I'm like, whoa, my mind is totally blown by this. So I hope you're as obsessed with this episode as I am. And yes, we talk about 80s and 90s slow jams because, of course, I had to ask him about music because, yeah, duh. You're listening to the Side Gig Central podcast, where we truly believe that your side gig has the power to change your life. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, and I'm a small business owner and side gig hustler just like you. I'm so excited to help you redefine what success looks like in today's gig economy. Listen in on honest conversations that I have with the experts and from hardworking side gig entrepreneurs just like you who are killing it with their side hustle. Learn the best strategies, tips, and tricks that have helped others pave their own way and craft their dream side gig. So if you're ready to get started, up your game and do the work, you're definitely in the right place. Let's get started. Amani, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on today. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited also. Oh, perfect. You're coming in from LA or right outside of LA. Is, is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I'm in Redondo Beach, so real close to the water and down here in L.A. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Anything near the water is always, or I should say water, because of fresh air. <laughs> Anything near the water sounds like to me. So, Amani, I am so intrigued with your story. Would you please um, tell the listeners kind of your entrepreneurial journey, how you got started and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So I grew up in the hotel world. I grew up and worked for Marriott Hotels for almost 20 years. Started as just a bellman, checking you in, taking your luggage up to the room, doorman, working my way up Marriott Corporation across different cities like um, D.C. is where I grew up. So I grew up on the East Coast, kind of close to you. So I worked in D.C., then Atlanta, Chicago, Dallas, Miami, went back to D.C., and then came out to L.A. working for Marriott in a variety of jobs like a hotel general manager, director of sales and marketing at three hotels, regional director of sales and marketing. So I did the whole kind of corporate life thing and then came out to L.A. And I was still working for Marriott, and that's when I kind of started to DJ, learn how to DJ. And then eventually I had the courage, enough courage to take a risk and try to go for it full time. And it's been, you know, almost a little over eight and a half years now, full-time DJing. And you know, here we are eight and a half years. They're still going strong. So that's kind of a quick synopsis of my journey. I love that. Well, don't be modest. You have a, you wrote a book. I mean, <laughs> that you kind of glossed over that fact because not a lot of people have written a book. So tell us a little bit more about your book. It's called DJs Mean Business. And it's about DJs and business owners are shown kind of the parallels between the two and how to conquer your most common issues and fears. So where did the inspiration for this book happen? 
That's a good question. I, I wanted to do something where I would let people know a couple of things. First of all, I wanted to be known as like a thought leader in the space, a creative space, a DJ space. So writing a book was a really good idea. Second, I wanted people to know that DJs are, are extremely talented individuals, not just because we know how to pick music and know how to read crowds, but we're also a multi or triple tasking, quadruple tasking when we're up there on the decks, reading the crowd, planning what songs we're going to play, three songs from now, making sure our client is happy, making sure the bar owner, club owner is happy. So we have a lot of skills we have to do at the same time. And I just wanted to share that along with the story. And I also wanted people to know that a DJ said, my book really focuses around 10 p.m. to 2 a.m., takes you through the different time increments. A DJ said is very similar to growing a business. So for example, at like 10 o'clock, you're just starting off, so you're just getting to know who's in the club or the bar. Same thing in business. When you first start off, you're trying to find out who your ideal client is, get to know them. Then we fast forward to say like 11 o'clock, and it's like the troubleshooting hour. Something always goes wrong in business. Something always goes wrong in the DJ booth, but you can't let the music stop, so you got to figure out how to adjust um, I hate the word pivot, but pivot, you know, shift, do some different things and, um, keep the music going prime time, midnight, just keep the dance floor packed, hit after hit people singing along. Same thing in business. If you're getting good sales and business is flowing, you just want to keep that going as long as possible. One of my favorite chapters is later in the book. I think around 1:30 AM, it talks about nostalgia. Me as a DJ, I love slow jams. So I'll play some slow jams late in the set just to help people out and just get them reminiscing before it's time to close the club. Businesses use nostalgia to reinvent themselves. Like um, one of my favorite examples is like Adidas, Nintendo. And so it talks about those examples in relation to DJing. Then the set is over. We have a chapter on self-care because as in business and in the DJ life, you must take care of yourself because if you don't work, this doesn't work. And there's also a fun chapter in there on feedback. I used to drive for Uber as well. So after I would leave the club, I'd pick up people who were in the same club that was DJing and I'd say, what do you think of the music, all this? And then I'd let them know at the end, oh, I was the DJ there too, by the way. So thanks for the feedback. Um, so that gives you a quick synopsis of the book and kind of some of the chapters as well. <laughs> oh, amazing, Amani. That just blew my mind. All of those, those parallels. And I love analogies. I use so many analogies whenever I write my copy and my sales copy. And I love how you put those two things together, nightlife and owning a business that never even occurred to me yeah, yeah. before <laughs> just your pitch to come onto the show was magnis magnificently crafted, I must say. And I was Thank like, wow, you. I've never drawn those two parallels together. So I love that so much. Now getting into what you were saying about pleasing the crowd and also as a business owner, pleasing your customers, what are some of your best tips on trying to please all your customers and like how, how DJs have to learn to sometimes say no to requests, which <laughs> may or may not be kind of awkward. So walk yeah. us through how that, how that <laughs> happens. I think that as a DJ and as a business, you, you have to listen to everything. So if someone gives you some feedback or you have a customer and, and they like say someone makes a request in the DJ booth, I will always listen because sometimes they will request a song that maybe is new, but is, is going to end up being a hit. That happens a lot. And so you have to just listen, but you don't always have to say yes. You have to use your judgment based on your experience. Uh, I'll give you an example. Like sometimes some people will come to the DJ booth and say if I'm going down and playing like a lot of hip hop and there might be a crowd that that wants to hear like, you know, 90s pop, like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera. And I'm like, okay, well, that's really not going to fit the, where I'm going right now, but maybe I can get to it later. So that's when you would listen and you might say, no, I can't really do that. But I'll try to uh, address your request a little later if you hang with me. Don't just leave. 
Then there could be another time where, say, a good example of this, I love this story, is I was playing a Notorious B.I.G. Juicy. So I was playing that song, and someone came up to me and requested Lauren Hill, The Fuji's Killing Me Softly. And at first I was like, okay, like I said before, I'll think about it, but I probably wouldn't play it. But then as I thought about it more, I was like, you know, this might actually fit. It might actually work. So uh, it, it was in the same BPM range, so I queued it up and was able to blend it in really nicely, let it go. And then when we got to the acapella part towards the end, the whole crowd was singing along, got goosebumps. So that's an example of when it did work, and I still use that kind of combination now. So I always say you have to listen and then just use your experience and your instincts, trust your gut, and decide, okay, am I going to honor this request or maybe we'll get to it a little later. So it's always about listening and trusting your instincts, in my opinion. Yes. Well, I love, first of all, I just want to go back and listen to how <laughs> you mix the two of those <laughs> I am fascinated. Um, and I love how you said it mixed it with the, the right BPM. I used to um, be a fitness instructor and it was all about the BPMs. Yes. You had to like be in that right uh, beats per minute. Um, but yes, it is so true. You have to go with your gut kind of what your, first of all, what your mission is for your business. But then at the end of the day, yeah, you know, you've got to have people that are, that are buying from you. You get the people that are buying what you're dishing out. So it's really, really kind of, um, it's important to, to take both. So right. I'm really curious how, uh, kind of going back to your entrepreneurial journey, I know you had mentioned that you had worked for Marriott for a quite some time. What gave you the idea to get into DJing? Was it always like a hobby of yours? And you were like, oh, I want to try and see if, if this if this will work. When I was in college, I went to Howard University in DC and I had the chance to see uh, DJ Bismarcky at this club called Quigley's in downtown DC. And this was when I was a senior. So I was a senior school about to graduate. And I was like, wow, he just set the crowd off. It was amazing. And I said, I want to do what he does, but I was incorrect in my assumption that DJing is not a real job. So I kind of just pushed it to the side, didn't really pursue it much. As I was traveling, because then I went to work for Marriott and traveled around the country. But as I was traveling, I continued to kind of follow DJs, go watch them, listen to them, see what they were doing. And then finally, once I got to LA, and one of my friends introduced me to Scratch Academy, which is like a DJ college. And I went to Scratch Academy. I quickly saw that it's very legitimate. There are lots of different ways that DJs can earn money just from performing, music production, teaching, all sorts of things you can do. So you can make this a legitimate job where you can earn, you know, mid to high six figures. And, you know, it's not, you have to work at it. But I think that's where, when I first realized it was way back when I first was working for Marriott, but it took me about 13 years to get the courage to go for it. But once I was here and in class, I said, okay, I see a path and I want to go for it because it's very cliche, but you only live once. So we might as well try it and, and go for it. Yes, exactly. I love that so much. You kind of, um, you remind me of kind of how I started this podcast. I started kind of it as an experiment, but I was like, let me just learn and soak up as much as I possibly can um, to see if this is like a viable thing. And kind of like similar to what you were saying, like you just were like a sponge for knowledge. You were doing, you know, your due diligence and just, I, I think it's something that we tend to gloss over as entrepreneurs because we want like that instant gratification. Yeah. We want to say, I came up with the perfect business model <laughs> overnight, but you don't realize that it's an evolution that very similar to your DJ work. It's I'm sure 
you know, your first set that you ever did is probably way different than Ooh. what you <laughs> than what you do now, right? Exactly. I love the the saying, I'm done is better than perfect. I think that as long as you can kind of get out into the quote unquote arena and start to do the work and then you kind of learn as you go, it'll never be perfect. Like you say, my first DJ set was probably pretty rough. I would cringe to listen to that now, but now I can, you know, do well, hold my own. I know how to work a crowd, rock a crowd. So you just have to get out there and try Same thing with the podcast. I'm sure if we go back and listen to your first episode, it'll be very different from your current episode, but I give you credit because you at least put it out there and said, okay, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to keep working at it. Cause many times people will try it a couple times and then stop. And that's not how really it works in entrepreneurship. You can't stop. You have to keep going. You have to learn as you go and then just make different tweaks here and there, but continue to improve one kind of baby step at a time. And eventually now you look back, you see the progress. You're like, Whoa, look at how far I've come. Same thing in DJ world, you know, look at how far I've come, look at who I get to perform with now, look at the different uh, mixing skills I have, scratching skills, but it takes time. It's no, nothing, you know, no such thing as an overnight uh, success. It takes so much work, so... It does. You're a hundred percent Amani. I love that so much. I am such a fan. Oh man. I wish I was in LA right now so I can go see you perform. <laughs> we'll oh, we'll oh, make that happen oh. soon enough. <laughs> yes. I would love. So what is happening now that like the nightlife scene I'm sure has been changed forever by what's going on with yeah. the pandemic? Like what, what kind of, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say pivot. Um, what, <laughs> what kind of, $10 in the jar. <laughs> I know I got to put $10 in. I'm sorry. I said the worst, worst buzzword ever. <laughs> um, what kind of changes have you had to make? Like now that nightclubs are in it, like what, what are you doing? Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent question. So, you know, over half my business was like live events, whether it be in a club, a bar, corporate events, I do a lot of corporate events, um, social weddings, like none of that is happening. Now you're starting to see smaller kind of weddings and events pop up very barely, but it's, it's gone. And we don't really know when it's going to come back. I think, you know, some bars and clubs are, well, no clubs are opening, but bars are trying to open up, but it's, it's really not, not an exact science. What I've been doing is there have been some virtual events that you're, you're able to do, so that's, that's, uh, but it's kind of slow. It's not as heavy volume as it before. I will say that live streaming, so like every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, I'll do like a live stream couple hour slow jam set. Live streaming is a way to kind of keep out there, keep, you know, network, do some things. Um, you can also DJ on live streams and get paid for it, but it's really different. We really have to kind of um, recreate and see what opportunities are out there because I think that until there's a commonly accepted vaccine and people have taken it and then people are comfortable being around each other, it's going to change. Like we won't be back to where we were before. And then who's to say that it's really ever going to come back to how it was before? So I'm just kind of looking at the different opportunities out there, you know, also live streaming and DJing kind of work hand in hand. So, you know, you can work the computer, the music, so then you can maybe get some work helping out different brands or companies if they want to do their live streams and add music in. Um, you can do that. That's also an option, but you have to learn as well, which is another way we were just talking about how some DJs are choosing to embrace live streaming and go out there and learn as we go. Cause it was not perfect. I mean, you know, you get bad internet, things are freezing, all sorts of things, you know, Instagram is shutting you down, but as you learn more, then this transfers to a different skill that you can use for some of your clients, whether it's live streaming a wedding or a corporate event. Um, so that's kind of just the landscape. Now it's really, really um, daunting. I'm just trying to stay positive and see, you know, work with other DJs to see what's working, what's not working and 
continue to try to move forward because we do not know what the future holds for us. Yeah, and I think he said some really key things there is, is being able to network with your peers in the space because I think, you know, two two heads are better than one. You're, you're you know, I'm sure constantly bouncing ideas off of each other. Um, you know, I do that all the time with, with other podcasters and, and other sales coaches. But um, yeah, I think it's, Thank God for technology. Let's just <laughs> let's just say that right in the beginning, right. and, they, and uh, just count our lucky stars that we have things available available to us like live streaming. And although it's not you know the same as a live in person event, I think you you make a really great point, and you just got to keep innovating. You got to keep innovating and just and and getting getting the crowd reaction. I'm sure that's a whole other, yeah. how do you get, how do you read, read the crowd virtually? That's, that's another great question. It's different, but I think that you know, the chat, so like, you know, on, we, you do most of the live on Twitch. So Twitch has this really engaging chat or like Instagram live. So you can see people in the chat commenting, putting up emojis or emotes, and you can get some energy from the people when in the chat, that is a fact. And so they're not in person, but you can feed off it. They're commenting on the songs. They're saying different stories. They're telling different stories. Also, as you're live streaming, doing a DJ set, you kind of have more time to talk to the people that are watching so you can tell stories. They might make requests. They might ask you questions. So it's more, it's more of a conversation than like a show, but you can definitely read, in, um, read the energy with the chat. I think that's a fact. It, it, I've seen it happen. I participate in some chats where people do that, especially like on Twitch where people can donate. They send you bits. They send you cheers. People raid different DJs. DJ sets. So there's definitely energy there. It's just how do you uh, develop it and keep it going? And then you got to give energy as well, too. And you have to like make your a stream different and visually appealing and just kind of do different things and play to the crowd, whether you have 10 people in your stream or 200. It's funny because I see some streams that have like, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people in it, but it's kind of like dead or blah. And then I go to some streams that have maybe 10 or 15 people and people are chatting and going back and forth and laughing and doing stuff. And that's got more energy. I'm like, oh, I want to stay here. I don't care about that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Would you say that's a little bit more of like vanity metrics right there? Kind of like, oh, the amount of followers is like the amount of uh, the engagement that you're getting. Because the engagement is, is the energy, right? Exactly. I think, you know, it's hard. We get caught up on, oh, how many people are tuning into my stream? How many followers do you have? And those are vanity numbers. You don't know if it's all real as well, but you can tell when you go into someone's stream and people are talking and doing things, you're like, okay, well, these are some real people in here, you know, and they're enjoying it and you want to be there. You want to join and, and, and capture the energy with them. So I think, you know, pay a little less attention to the vanity metric. I know it's important and some people, but I think it's a little less important because it's more about the energy and the engagement and just embrace the people you have. I know there's a popular article out uh, by Kevin Kelly called 102 fans. And so it's the same concept. Like you want to get to 10 fans first and maybe you get to a hundred and then if you get to a thousand, that's great, but just start with 10. That's what I'm working on. Cause you know, some of my streams I have 25, 10 and just go with that and enjoy that and have fun. And the energy will build from there in my opinion. Yes. Well, your opinion is my opinion. So two opinions right there. There we go. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. This was just a ray of sunshine in my day today. I Thank was you. so excited to just, oh my gosh, we are coming up on time, but okay. I would, I would be remiss if I did not let the listeners know, first of all, where they can get your book. And second of all, where they can reach out to you to connect with you, because I know after listening to this episode, everyone's going to want to go and follow you. So hit me with all that info. 
All right. You can find the book on any platform you buy your book on, like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple Books, uh, the Audible version. Hopefully I'll record it this summer. So it'll be out like August, September. If you want to sign a copy of the book, you can go to my website, which is aminiexperience.com. You can buy it there. I'll send it to you with the special notes. That's where you can find the book. If you'd like to learn about another podcast, the Amani Experience podcast, you can find me on Apple, Spotify, uh, YouTube, everywhere like that. For social media, it's just at Amani Experience. So my name is A like Apple. M like Mary, A like Apple, N like Nancy, I add the word experience at the end of it. That'll give you Twitter, um, Facebook, Instagram, and then LinkedIn is just Amani Roberts. So reach out to me wherever you are. Um, and I love to just connect and talk to you and share more about the DJ life. Yes, absolutely. Guys, go pick up the book. It is so good. I was uh, given a digital copy and I was just there's just there's so many great points that you make in the book, and I feel like it's a must-read for every entrepreneur, especially people who are making that leap into the creative space, and you've done it so well and so eloquently. So last question before you go. I have to be like a music-related question. Um, I really like 80s and 90s music. What's like your favorite 80s or 90s J I know there's probably a million but what's one of your favorites like artists from that time or favorite um mix that you've maybe done in that okay. uh, genre I like it I like it so 80s because I grew up in the 80s so late 80s uh Eric B and Rakim paid in full I love that um but you know you can go back to like mid 80s oh there's so, so much there Rick James some big Rick James Tina Marie fans so they're, they're 80s you get to the 90s and big SWV fan I'm so into you notorious B.I.G. I mean, we could go on and on with groups there. Like, you uh, know, it's just so many. Like, Brian so McKnight was big in the night. Like, it's just so much. But yes. SWV is one of my favorite groups. I love them. I'm so into you. Notorious B.I.G. is one of my favorite hip-hop artists. And then my walk-up song would be like Eric B. and Rakim, Paid in Full, UTFO, Roxanne. Roxanne was probably my first hip-hop song I ever liked. Madonna, big in the 80s, you know, um... What was her song? Lucky Star was one of my favorites. I mean, we can uh, talk about this. Oh, this is a whole other show. This is a whole other show. I'm just thinking about myself as like a little chubby 10 year old, like dancing to Janet Jackson, like Rhythm Nation, trying there to you go. do the moves. But yes, yes, miss you much. Yeah, yeah, yes. for sure. And what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me? There you go. Know, some nice female anthems. I'm, I'm a fan. Oh, so. man. I'm such a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it so much. Amani, you are a treasure. You are just, I am so uh, thankful to have met you today. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, Alina. It's been a pleasure and look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks so much for listening to the Side Gig Central podcast. You can dive into the show notes for this episode and for all past episodes at SideGigCentral.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. And while you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll talk to you very soon. And by the way, keep up that side hustle because mm, it looks good on you.